everybody and welcome back to another episode of Reading Harry Potter with an 11 year old. And welcome back and hello if you're new. Today we are going to be reading Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Chapter 9, The Midnight Duel. Now if you haven't seen my podcast before and if you enjoy this episode that I'm about to uh, read today, please make sure to check out my other episodes and future episodes to come. And also, if you want to critique my work, please make sure to leave a voice message down below. And please make sure to share these with your friends and family if um, they enjoy Harry Potter. That's all I have to say. Uh, I'm sorry I've been away for a while. I've been about eight, nine days now. Um, I've been on a holiday. Um, So... Yeah, I've been away for a while, and let's get started. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Chapter 9, The Midnight Door. Okay. Chapter 9, The Midnight Door. Harry had never believed he would meet a boy he hated more than Dudley, but that was before he met Draco Malfoy. Still, the first year Gryffindors only had potions with the Slytherins, so they didn't have to put up with Malfoy much. Or, at least, they didn't until they spotted a notice pinned up in the Gryffindor common room, which made them all groan. Flying lessons would be starting on Thursday, and Gryffindor and Slytherin would be together learning. Typical, said Harry darkly. Just what I always wanted. To make a fool of myself on a broomstick in front of Malfoy. He had been looking forward to learning to fly more than anything else. You, you don't know you'll make a fool of yourself, said Ron reasonably. Anyway, I know Malfoy is going to go on, is always going on about how good he is at Quidditch, but I bet that's all talk. Malfoy did, certainly did talk a lot about flying. He, ne- he complained loudly about first years never getting in the house Quidditch teams and tell, told long, boastful stories, which always seemed to, which always seemed to end with him narrowly escaping muggles and helicopters. He wasn't the only one, though. The way Seamus Finnegan told it, he'd spend most of his childhood zooming around the countryside on his broomstick. Even Ron would tell anyone who'd listened the time he'd almost hit a hang glider on Charlie's old broom. Everyone from wizarding families talked about Quidditch constantly. Ron had already had a big argument with Dean Thomas, who shared their dormitory about football. Ron couldn't see what was so exciting about a game that only had one ball and where no one was allowed to fly. Harry had caught Ron prodding Dean's poster of West Ham football team, trying to make the players move. Neville had never been on a broomstick in his life because his grandma had never let him near one. Privately, Harry felt she'd had a good reason because Neville managed to have an extraordinary amount of accents even with both feet on the ground. Hermione Granger was almost about as almost as nervous about flying as Neville was. This was something that you couldn't learn by heart out of a book. Not that she hadn't tried. At breakfast on Thursday, she bought the ball stupid with flying tips that she got out of the library book called Quidditch Through the Ages. Neville was hanging on to it every word, desperate for anything that might help him hang on to his broomstick later, but everyone else was pleased when Hermione's lecture was interrupted by the arrival of the post. 
Harry hadn't had a single letter since Hagrid's note. Something that I'm going to position the microphone. Something that Malfoy had been quick to notice, of course. Malfoy's eagle owl was always bringing him home packages of sweets from home, which he opened gloatingly at the Slytherin table. A barn owl brought Neville a small package from his grandmother. He opened it excitedly and showed him and showed them a, a large glass ball, the size of a large marble, which seemed to be full of white smoke. It's a remember all, he explained. Bran knows I forget things. This tells you if there's something you've forgotten to do. Look, you hold it tight like this, and if it turns red, his face fell because the rememberal had suddenly glowed scarlet. You've forgotten something. Neville was trying to remember what he'd forgotten when Draco Malfoy, who was passing the Gryffindor table, snatched the rememberal out of his hand. Ron and Harry jumped to their feet. They were half hoping for a reason to fight Malfoy, but, but Professor McGonagall, who could spot trouble quicker than any teacher in school, was there in a flash. What's going on? Malfoy's got my remember, Professor. Scowling, Malfoy quickly dropped the remember back on the table. Just looking, he said, and he slopped away with Crab and Goyle with him. At 3.30 in that afternoon, Harry and Ron and the other Gryffindors hurried down their front steps into the grounds for their first flying lesson. It was a clear, breezy day, and the grass rippled under their feet as they marched down the sloping lawns to a smooth lawn on the opposite sides of the grounds to the forbidden forest, whose trees were swaying darkly in the distance. Um, the Slytherins were already there, and so were twenty broomsticks flying in neat lines on the ground. Harry had heard George and Weasley complain about the school brooms, saying that some of them started to vibrate if you flew too high, or always flew slightly to the left. Their teacher, Madame Hooch, arrived. She had short, grey hair and yellow eyes, like a hawk. Well, what are you all waiting for? she barked. Everyone stand by a broomstick. Come on, hurry up. Uh, just give it a bit of character. Um... Harry glanced down at his broomstick. It was an odd. Uh, it was odd, and some of the twigs stuck stuck out at odd angles. Stick out your right hand over your broom, called Madame Hooch in the front, and say up, up. Everyone shouted. Harry's broom jumped into his hand at once, but he was one of the few that did. Hermione Granger's had simply rolled over on the ground, and Neville's hadn't moved at all. Perhaps brooms, like horses, could tell you when you were afraid, thought Harry. There was a quaver in Neville's voice that said only too clearly that he wanted to keep his feet on the ground. Madame Hooch then showed them how to, how to mount their brooms without sliding off the end, and walked up and down the rows, correcting their grips. Harry and Ron were delighted when she told Malfoy he had been doing it wrong for years. Now, when I blow my whistle, you kick off from the ground. Hard, said Ma Madame Hooch. Keep your um, brooms ready, rise a few feet, then come straight back down by leaning forward slightly. On my mark, three, two. But Neville, who was nervous and jumpy and frightened of being left on the ground, pushed off hard before the whistle had touched Madame Hooch's lips. 
Come back, boy, she shouted, but Neville was rising straight up like a cork shot out of the bottle. Twelve feet, twenty feet. Harry saw his scared white face look at the ground falling away, saw him slide, saw him gasp, slide off sideways, side sideways off the broom, and wham! A thud and a nasty crack, and level, Neville lay, face down, on the grass in a heap. His broomstick was still rising higher and higher and started to drift lazily towards the forbidden forest and out of sight. Madame Hooch was bending over Neville, her face as white as his. Broken wrist, he heard her, Harry heard her mutter. Come on, boy. It's all right. Up you get. She turned to the rest of the class. None of you is to move while I take this boy to the hospital wing. You will leave those brooms where they are or you'll be out of Hogwarts before you can say Quidditch. Come on, dear. Neville, his face tear-streaked, clutching his wrist, hobbled off with Madame Hooch, who had... Uh, give me a sec. Ah! Um, come on, dear. Neville, his tear-streaked, clutching his wrist, hobbled off with Madame Hooch, who had her arm around him. No sooner were they out of earshot than Malfoy burst into laughter. Did you see his face, the great lump? The other Slytherins joined in. Oh, shut up, Malfoy, um, snapped Pravati Patel. Ooh, sticking up for Longbottom, said Pansy, Parkin Pansy Parkinson, a hard-faced Slytherin girl. I never thought you'd like a fat little crybaby's Pravati. Look, said Malfoy, darting towards the grass and snatching something out of it. It's that stupid thing Longbottom's grand sent him. The remember glistened in the sun as he held it up. Give that here, Malfoy, said Harry quietly. Everyone stopped talking to watch. Malfoy smiled nastily. I think I'll leave it for somewhere I'll think I'll leave it somewhere for Longbottom to collect. How about up a tree? Give it here, Harry yelled. But Malfoy had left him to his broomstick and taken off. He couldn't have been flying. He hadn't been flying. He could fly well. Hovering level with the topmost branches of an oak, he called, Come and get it, Potter! Harry grabbed his broom. broom. No! shouted the mining granger. Madame Hooch told us not to move. You'll get us all into trouble. Harry ignored her. Blood was pounding in his ears. He mounted the broom and... Kicked hard against the ground, and up, up he soared. Air rushed through his hair, and his robes whipped out behind him. And a rush, fierce of joy, he realized he'd been, he'd found something he could do without being taught. This was easy. This was wonderful. He pulled his broomstick up a little to take it even higher, and heard screams and gasps of girls back on the ground, and an admiring whoop from Ron. He turned his broomstick sharply to face Malfoy in mid-air. Malfoy looked stunned. Give it here, Harry called, or I'll knock you off your broom. Oh, yeah, said Malfoy, trying to sneer, but looking worried. Harry knew, somehow, what to do. He leant forward and grasped the broom tightly in both hands and shot towards Malfoy like a javelin. Malfoy just got out of the way in time. Harry made a sharp turn about and... Harry made a sharp about turn and held the broomstick st steady. A few people below were clapping. 
No Crab and Goyle up here to save your neck, Malfoy, Harry called. The same thought seems to have struck Malfoy. Catch it if you can, then, he shouted, and he threw the glass ball high into the air and it streaked towards back the ground. Harry saw, as though in slow motion, the ball, ri the ball rise up into the air then started to fall. He leant forward and pointed his broom handle down. Next second, he was gathering speed. He was gathering speed in a steep dive, racing the ball. Wind whistled in his ears, mingled with the screams of people watching. He stretched. He stretched out his hand, and a foot from the ground, he caught it just in time to pull his broom straight. And he gentle and he toppled gently onto the grass with the rememberal clutched in his fist. Harry Potter. His heart sank faster than he just dived. Professor McGonagall was running towards them. He got to his feet, trembling. Never in all my time at Hogwarts. Professor McGonagall was almost speechless with shock. Her glasses flashed furiously. How dare you? You might have broken your neck. It wasn't his fault, Professor. Be quiet, Miss Patel. But Malfoy, that's enough, Mr. Weasley. Potter. Follow me now. Harry caught sight of Malfoy, Crab and Goyle's triumphant faces as he left, walking numbly towards Professor McGonagall's wake as she strode towards the castle. He was going to be expelled. He just knew it. He wanted to say something to defend himself, but there seemed to be nothing wrong with his voice. There seemed to be something wrong with his voice. Even Professor McGonagall was sweeping along without even looking at him. He now had to jog to keep up. He'd done it. He hadn't even lasted two weeks. What he'd, he'd be packing his bag in ten minutes. What would the Dursley say when he turned up on their doorstep? Up on the front steps, up the marble staircase inside, and Professor McGonagall didn't say a word to him. She wrenched open doors and marched along the corridors, with Harry trotting miser miserably behind her. Um, maybe she was taking him to Dumbledore. He thought of Hagrid, expelled but allowed to stay a gamekeeper. Perhaps he could be Hagrid's assistant. His stomach twisted as he imagined it, watching one of the others become wizards while he stumped around the grounds, carrying Hagrid's bag. Professor McGonagall stopped outside the classroom. He, she opened the door and poked inside. Her picks poked her head inside. Excuse me, Professor Flitwick, can I borrow wood for a moment? Wood, thought Harry, bewildered. Was wood a cane she was going to use on him? But wood turned out to be a person, a burly fifth-year boy who came out of the who came out of Flitwick's class, looking very confused. Follow me, you two," said Professor McGonagall as they marched up the corridor. Wood looking curiously at Harry. In here, Professor McGonagall pointed them into an empty classroom, or into a classroom which is empty except for Peeves who was writing rude words on the blackboard. Out, Peeves! She barked. Peeves threw the chalk into the bin, which clanged, lo which clanged loudly, and he, and he swooped out cursing. Professor McGonagall slammed the, two boy slammed the door behind him and turned to face the two boys. Potter, this is Oliver Wood. Wood, I found you a new seeker. Wood's expression changed with puzzlement to delight. Are you serious, Professor? Absolutely, said Professor McGonagall crisply. The boy is natural. I've never seen anything like it. Was that your first time on a broom, Potter? 
Harry nodded silently. He didn't have he didn't seem to have a clue what was going on, but he didn't seem to be expelled. He had this he had some some he and had and some of the feelings started coming back into his legs. He caught this thing in his hand after a fifty foot dive, Professor McGonagall told Wood. Didn't even scratch him didn't even scratch himself. Charlie Weasley couldn't have done it. Wood was now looking as though all his dreams had come true at once. Ever seen a game of Quidditch, Potter? He asked excitedly. Wood's captain of the Gryffindor team, Professor McGonagall explained. He's just the build for a seeker too, said Wood, now walking around Harry and staring at him. Light, speedy, we'll have to get him a decent broom, Professor. Uh, Nimbus 2000, a clean sweep 7, I'd say. I shall speak to Professor Dumbledore and see if... If see if we can't bend the first year rule. Heaven knows. We need a better team than last year. Flattened in that last match by Slytherin. I couldn't look at Severus Snape in the face for weeks. Professor McGonagall peered sternly over her glasses at Harry. I want to hear you training hard, Potter, or I may change my mind about punishing you. She suddenly smiled. Your father would have been proud, she said. He was an ex- excellent Quidditch player yourself himself. You're joking. It was dinner time. Harry had just tell had just finished telling Ron what had happened when he left the ground with Professor McGonagall. Harry, um Ron had a piece of steak and kidney pie halfway through his mouth, but he'd forgotten all about it. Seeker? But but first he is never you must be the the youngest house player in a s about a century, said Harry, shoveling pie into his mouth. He felt particularly hungry after the excitement of the afternoon. Wood told me. Ron was so amazed, so impressed, he just sat and gawped at Harry. I start training next week, um, said Harry. Only don't tell anyone. Wood wants to keep it a secret. Fred and George Weasley, Fred and George Weasley now came over into the hall, spotted Harry and hurried over. Well done said George and George in a low voice. Wood told us to- told us. Um Wood told us. We're on the team too. Beaters. I tell you, we're going to win that Quidditch Cup for sure this year. We haven't won since Charlie left, but this year's team is going to be brilliant. You must be good, Harry. Wood was almost skipping when he told us. Anyway, got to go. Lee Jordan reckons he found a new passage out of the school. But it's that one behind the statue of Gregory the Smarmy that we found in our first week. See you. Fred and George had hardly disappeared when someone far less welcome turned up. Malfoy, flanked by Crabbe and Goyle. Having a last meal, Potter. When are you going to get back on the train with the muggles? Um, you're a lot braver now that you're back on the ground and got your little friends with you, said Harry coolly. There was nothing... There was... There was a, uh, there was of course. No, give me a sec. <laughs> um, there was a, there was of course nothing at all little about Crab and Goyle, but as the high table was so full of teachers, neither of them could do more than crack their knuckles and scowl. I'd take you on any time of my own," said Malfoy. "Tonight, if you want, Wizard's door, ones only, no contact. What's the matter?" 
Never heard of a wizard's duel before, I suppose. Of course he has, said Ron, wheeling round. I'm the second. Who's yours? Malfoy looked at Crabbe and Goyle, sizing them up. Uh, Crabbe, he said. Midnight, all right? We'll meet you in the trophy room. That's always unlocked. When Malfoy had gone, Ron and Harry looked at each other. What is a wizard's door? said Harry. And what do you mean, you're my second? Well, the second's there, usually in ca to take over if you die, said Ron casually. Getting started at last on his cold pie. Uh, catching a look at Harry's, catching the look on Harry's face, he added quickly. But people die in proper jewels, you know, with real wizards. The most you and Malfoy be, will be able to do is send sparks at each other. Neither of you knows enough magic to do any real damage anyway. I bet he expected you to refuse anyway. And what happens if I wave my wand and nothing happens? Throw it away and punch him on the nose, Ron suggested. Excuse me. They looked up. It was Hermione Granger. Can't a person eat in peace in this place, said Ron. Hermione ignored him and spoke to Harry. I couldn't help overhearing what you and Malfoy were saying. Bet you could, Ron muttered. But you mustn't go wandering around school at night. Think of the points you'll lose Gryffindor if you're caught. And, it's bound, and you're bound to be. It's really very selfish of you. And it's none of your business said Harry. Goodbye, said Ron. All the same, it wasn't what you called the perfect end to a day, Harry thought, as he lay awake much later, listening to Dean and Seamus falling asleep. Neville wasn't back from the hospital wing. Sorry, I need to burp there. Um, Ron had spent all the evening giving him advice as, if you chose to curse you, you better dodge it, because I can't remember how to block them. There was a very good chance they were going to get caught by Miss by Filch or Mrs. Norris, and Harry felt he was punishing his luck, pushing his luck, breaking another school rule today. On the other hand, Malfoy's sneering face kept looming out of the darkness. This was his big chance to meet Malfoy, face to face. He couldn't miss it. Half past eleven, Ron muttered at last. We'd better go. They pulled on their dressing gowns, picked up their wands, and crept across the tower room. The tower room. Down the spiral staircase and into the Gryffindor common room. A few embers were still glowing in the fireplace, turning all the armchairs into hunched black shadows. They had almost reached the portrait hall when a voice from behind them, from the terrace near them, I can't believe you're going to do this, Harry. A lamp flickered on. It was Hermione Granger, wearing a pink dressing gown and a frown. You, said Ron furiously, go back to bed. I almost heard your brother, Hermione snapped. Percy, he's a prefect, and he'd put a stop to this. Harry couldn't believe anyone could be so interfering. Come on, he said to Ron. He pushed open the portrait of the fat lady and climbed through the hole. Hermione wasn't going to give up that easily. She followed Ron through the portrait hole, hissing at him like an angry goose. You don't care about Gryffindor, do you? You only care about yourselves, and you don't want Slytherin to win the house club, and you'll lose all the points I got from Professor McGonagall for knowing about switching spells. Go away. All right, but I warned you. You'll just remember what I said when you're on the train home tomorrow. So, you're so, but what they were, they didn't find out. 
Hermione had turned back to the portrait hall um, to get back into the... had found herself facing an empty painting. The fat lady had gone on a nighttime visit and Hermione was now locked out of Gryffindor Tower, she asked. Um, no, locked out of Gryffindor Tower. Now what am I going to do? She said surely. Um, that's your problem. We've got to go. We're going to be late. They haven't even reached the end of the corridor when Hermione caught up with them. I'm coming with you. You are not. Do you think I'm gonna? I'm going to stand out here and wait for them to catch me? If he finds all three of us, I'll tell him the truth. That I was trying to stop you and you can back me up. You've got some nerve, said Ron loudly. Shut up, both of you, said, Ron, said Harry sharply. I heard something. It was a sort of snuffling. Mrs. Norris? breathed Ron, squinting through the dark. It wasn't Mrs. Norris. It was Neville. He was curled up on the floor, fast asleep, and but he jerked awake as they um as they crept nearer. Thank goodness you found me. I've been out here for hours. I couldn't remember the new password to get into bed. Keep your voice down, Neville. The password's pig's now, but it won't help you now. The fat lady's gone off somewhere. How's your arm? said Harry. Fine, said Neville, showing them. Madame Pomfrey mended it in about a minute. Good. Well, look, Neville, you've got to be somewhere. Uh, we'll see you later. Don't leave me, said Neville, scrambling to his feet. I don't want to. I don't want to stay here alone. The bloody Baron's already been passed twice. Ron looked at his watch, then glared furiously at Hermione and Neville. If either of you get us caught, I will never rest until I've learnt the curse of bogies Quirrell told us and used it on you. Hermione opened her mouth. Perhaps to tell Ron exactly how to use the curse of bogies, but Harry hissed at her to be quiet and beckoned them all forward. They flitted along the corridors, striped with bars of moonlight, and from the high windows at every turn, Harry expected to run into Filch or Mrs. Norris, but they were lucky. They sped up a staircase into the third floor and tiptoed across the trophy room. Cra Malfoy and Crab weren't there yet. The crystal cases glimmered where the moonlight caught them. Cups, shields, plates and statues winked silver and gold in the darkness. They edged along the walls, keeping their eyes on the doors at either end of the room. Malfoy, um, he took his wand and case. Malfoy leapt in and started at once. The minutes crept by. He's late. Maybe he's chickened out, Ron whispered. But then a noise in the next room made them jump. Harry Waite had just only raised his wand when he heard someone speak, and it wasn't Malfoy. Sniff around, my sweet. They might be lurking in a corner. It was Filch speaking to Mrs. Norris. Horace shrugged. Harry waved madly at the other three to follow him as quickly as possible. They scurried silently towards the door, away from Filch's voice. Neville's robes had barely whipped around the corner when he'd heard Filch enter the trophy room. They're probably hiding somewhere. They heard him mutter. This way, Harry mouthed to the others, and petrified, they began to creep down a long gallery full of suits of armour. They could hear Filch getting nearer. Harry, um, Neville suddenly let out a frightened squeak and broke into a run. He tripped, grabbed Ron around 
around the waist, um, grabbed Ron around the waist, and the pair of them toppled right into a suit of armour. The clanging and crashing were enough to awake the whole castle. Run! yelled Harry. Harry yelled, and the four of them sprinted down the gallery, not looking back to see where the filch was following. They swung around the doorpost and galloped down one corridor, then another. Harry, in the lead, without any idea where they were going, without any idea where, 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 blah, Harry in the lead, without any idea where or where they were going, they ripped through tapestry, they ripped through a tapestry and found themselves in a hidden passageway, hurtled along it and came out in, in their, blah, and they came out near in their charms classroom, which they knew was miles away from the treasure room. I think we've lost him, Harry panted, leaning against the cold wart and whipping his forehead. Neville was bent double, wheezing and spluttering. I told you, Hermione gasped, clutching at the stitch in her chest. I told you. We've got to get back to Gryffindor Tower, said Ron, quickly as possible. Malfoy tricked you, Hermione said to Harry. You never real you realize that, don't you? He was never going to meet you. Filch um Filch Filch knew someone was going to be in the trophy room. Malfoy must have tipped him off. Harry thought she was probably right, but he wasn't going to tell her that. Let's go. It wasn't going to be that simple. They hadn't gone more than a dozen paces when when a doorknob rattled and something came shooting out of the door in front of them. It was Peeves. He caught a sight he caught sight of them and gave a squeal of delight. Shut up, Peeves. Please, you'll get us thrown out. Wandering around at midnight, equal firsties. Naughty naughty, you'll get caughty. Not if you don't get us Don't not if you don't give us away, Peeves. Please. I should tell Filch I should said Peeves in a saintly voice, his but his eyes glittered wickedly. It's for your own good, you know. Get out of the way, snapped Ron, taking a swipe of Peeves, but he knew, but this was a big mistake. Students out of bed, Peeves bellowed. Students out of bed, down in the charms corridor. Ducking under Peeves, they ran for their lives, um, right into the end of the corridor, where they slammed into a door and it was locked. This is it, Ron moaned as they pushed helplessly at the door. We're done for. This is the end. They could hear footsteps. Peeves running as fast as he could towards Peeves' shouts. Filch running as fast as he could towards Peeves' shouts. I'll move over, Hermione snarled. She grabbed Harry's wand, tapped the lock and whispered, um, the lock clicked and the door swung open. Um, whoop, uh, lock clicked and the door swung open. They piled through it, shut it quickly and pressed their ears against it, listening. Which way did they go, Peeves? Filch was saying. Quick, tell me. Say, please. Don't mess with me, Peeves. Now, where did they go? Shan't say nothing if you don't say please. 
said Peeves in his annoying sing-song voice. Um, alright, please. Nothing! Ha ha! Told you I wouldn't say nothing if you didn't say please. Um, ha ha! Ha! And they heard the sound of Peeves wishing away and Filch cursing in rage. Wait, what? Sean said nothing if you don't. Just give me a second. Okay, I get it now. Um, sorry. And they heard the sound of Peeves wishing away and Filch cursing in rage. He thinks this door is locked, with Harry whispered. I think we'll be okay. Get off, Neville. For Neville had been tugging on the sleeve of Harry's dressing gown for the last minute. What? Harry turned around and saw quite clearly what, for a moment, he was sure he'd walked into a nightmare. This was too much, on top of everything that had happened so far. They weren't in a room, as he had supposed. They were in a corridor. And the forbidden corridor on the third floor. And now he knew why it was forbidden. They were looking into they were looking straight into the eyes of a monstrous dog, a dog which filled the whole space between the ceiling and the floor. It had three heads, three pairs of rolling mad eyes, three noses twitching and quivering in their direction. Three drooling mouths, saliva hanging in the slippery ropes from their yellowish fangs. It was standing quite still, all six eyes staring at them, and Harry knew that they wasn't. And Harry knew that the only reason why they weren't already dead was that their son, that the son's surprise had taken it by surprise. Their sudden appearance had taken it over by surprise, but that, but it was quickly getting over that. And that meant no mistake over what those thunderous growls meant. Harry groped for the door, for the doorknob. Between Filch and Death, he'd take Filch. They fell backwards. Harry slammed the door shut, and they ran, almost flew back to the corridor. Filch must have looked hurried off to look for someone else, because they didn't see him anywhere, but they hardly cared. All he wanted all they wanted to do was to put as much space as possible between them and that monster. They didn't stop running until they reached the portrait of the fat lady on the seventh floor. Where on, where on earth have you all been? She asked, looking at their dressing gowns hanging off their shoulders and their flushed, sweaty faces. Never mind that. Pigs now. Pigs now. Panted Harry. And the, uh, and the portrait swung open. And the portrait swung open forward. They scrambled into the common room and collapsed, trembling into armchairs. If it was a while before any of them said anything, Neville indeed looked as if he'd never speak again. What are they doing keeping a thing like that locked up in school, said Ron finally. If any dog needs exercise, that one does. Hermione had got her breath and her bad temper back again. Don't you use your eyes, any of you? Do you? She snapped. Didn't you see what it was standing on? The floor, Harry suggested. Um, no. I wasn't looking at its feet. I was too busy looking with its heads. No, not the floor. It was standing on some trapdoor. It's obviously guarding something. She stood up, glaring at them. I hope you've, you're pleased with yourselves. We could have all been killed, or worse, expelled. 
Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Ron stared at her, his mouth opened. No, we don't mind, she said. You'd think we'd dragged her along, wouldn't you? But Hermione had given Harry something else to think about as he climbed back into the bed. Into bed. The dog had been guarding something. What had Hagrid said? Gringotts was the safest place in the world to hide something, if you wanted to hide it. Except perhaps Hogwarts. It looked as though Harry found out where the grubby little package from Vault 713 was. So that's it for today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And I'll probably try and make it because it's school holidays for me and um i'll probably be able to fit in more episodes i'll try to do dailies um instead of every two or three days i really hope you enjoyed this episode please make sure to follow me on whatever platform you're listening to this on please make sure to share this with your friends and family if they enjoy reading harry potter and please make sure to check out my other episodes if you haven't seen them yet and do make sure to please leave a rating and a voice link down below. Um, The next chapter is chapter 10, Halloween. Um, I won't really spoil much if you haven't read this before. Anyway, I really hope you enjoyed Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, chapter 9, The Midnight Duel. And I'll see you when I make another episode. Bye.